Generally Speaking About the Church, episode number 59. everybody and welcome back to another episode of About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Today in the studio, we have a special guest. DG Hollams is out for the week, so I thought I'd uh, bring in a special guest host. Very excited about it. We'll talk more about it in just one second. All right, everybody. I am very excited today to have in the studio with me, Keith Rainey. Hello, Keith. Hey, Cliff. How's it going? Excellent. Now, for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I've already told you that this day was coming and that I was bringing Keith in. But for those of you who are relatively new to the show and maybe even this is your first episode listening, uh, welcome. And I just want to let you all know that Keith Rainey happens to be a man that I have known and admired and looked up to for a very long time. And he was also my pastor for a good period of time and also uh, was pastor at the time when I first felt my call to ministry and was my mentor for many years. And so uh, I'm very excited to have Keith come here today and and co-host this uh, one of my favorite podcasts. So Keith, welcome. That's great to be here. I'm glad to have the opportunity. I've been looking forward to this. So uh Keith, you, you've listened to a couple episodes in preparation to find out what the About the Church podcast is, get a feel for how we approach things here. So just want to let you know, just lay, just relax, have a good time. There's there's uh, no pressure to perform here at all. Uh, obviously, if you listen to us, you know there's no pressure for anything. But uh, you asked if there was anything that you could do to uh, prepare for, and, and you are embarking on exactly a ministry that's devoted to doing something unique. Do you want to tell people what this ministry is that you have uh, started to pursue? Sure. It's actually got two different wings to it. Um, One of the things is that I believe that God wants our churches to succeed. I believe that he wants good things for not only our churches, but the people of our churches. And because of that, I've started up what I'm calling Refreshing Rain Ministries. And that's a That's a a ministry to try to help people and help the churches and the leadership of the church to accomplish things that that maybe they're struggling with. You know, every church, every group, every parachurch, whatever it might be, goes through difficult times where they may struggle and they may run into conflicts or or debates or questions or just low periods. So we want to be there for them and help them to assess where they are and help work with them and maybe bring in a sense of renewal, a sense of refreshing. The other part of the ministry that we're starting, and uh, and we've got a website out there, it's uh, godmakesense.com, and basically what we're doing with that is I believe that one of the things we've lost is the ability to to really use the rational thinking that God has given us. We've become very emotional-based in our churches, and there's nothing wrong with emotions. Emotions are good. They come from God. Love them. I love to feel good, love to be happy, all those kinds of things. But at the same time, God gave us a brain. He gave us a mind to think with. I'm always reminded of what it says in the book of Acts about the Bereans, that they were considered more noble because in their character because of the fact that they studied the Word of God daily, and they thought about what Paul or whomever was preaching, and they considered it, and they analyzed it. And I believe that God has challenged us to use our brain, use our mind, and to think and use logic and rational thinking. And that's what God Makes Sense is all about, is to try to show that 
one, it makes sense to believe there is a God, and two, that what God says and does makes sense. So that, that's really what the ministry is all about. Very cool. And that that is why it, it's amazing that, you know, to bring you in at this time in, in the series of discussions that we're having here uh, with the About the Church podcast, uh, it just is, is perfect timing because you had asked, you know, what is it that I can prepare for? And I shared with you that we were recently having, uh, we were we had a voicemail from uh, one of our dear listeners, Tess, from over in the UK, who had been, you know, questioning, you know, what is it about this Bible, this book, that so many people feel so passionate is the inerrant God's, you know, word of God, that it has authority for our life, that speaks to our life, and it should be the one thing that we compare all things to. And, 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 and of course she said that, you know, a lot of Christians when she approached and, and she's not approaching this as, you know, I don't believe, you know, that it's possible, but, but she's, she's really wanting to understand what is it about this Bible that makes Christians so, so drawn to it. And she, she sometimes gets frustrated with the average Christian response or even from the, the scholarly Christian response when people sometimes will use scripture to validate scripture as authority. And she goes, does not, do people not see the failed logic in that? And I must say, Keith, and, and I'm sure you heard me mention this before in that episode that you listened to. Um, you know, I'm one of those people who believe in God's word as by, as, as authority for my life. And, and, and I've shared in previous episodes that it's not just words on the paper that that mean so much to me, but it's also God's word in combination with the spirit of God that lives and dwells within me that that really brings life to those words and, and speaks to my heart. And so there's for me, there is a lot of not emotion, but a lot of spiritual um motivation or uh, illumination, I guess, enlightenment that comes from reading God's word. And scripture has, for me, in my experience, Mm -hmm. has always proven to be true and has always been true, uh, proven to give me advice that really cuts down to uh, the heart level. And, and it causes me to think about things in, in things that some ways that are pleasant and some ways that are refreshing, but in some ways that are convicting and very difficult for me to follow through. And I always feel like there is something in this book, in, in this word, that compels me to grow and to become more like what I feel God wants me to be. And so with all of that, I can say all of that, but I must admit a lot of how I got to just trusting in the Bible just simply came from people telling me that I should. Right, and, and I, think, I and, think what you're talking about is not emotion so much as it is confirmation. Yeah. And there's a difference there. And, and, and once again, I want to add that emotions are not bad. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not here as anti-emotional. But you're talking about a confirmation. You're talking about an exercise of faith and the confirmation that goes along with that. And those two things are not in any way contradictory to logic or rational thinking. Mm-hmm. They're actually very complementary to logic and rational thinking. Right. So, so the... Be that what it may, I, I still came to this understanding that you know I it, I just it was handed to me. I believed it. I I went with it, and it's always been confirmed. So for somebody who has not, this has not been their way of life. They didn't grow up with people with parents or um, authority figures, people they looked up to saying, "Believe in this. It, it it's truth for life. It's God's word. 
it will lead and it will guide you. For, for those folks, how is it that we can explain to them in, in such a way that it logically makes sense for us to understand that why this is God's word and, mm-hmm. and how do we accept it? How would you go about answering somebody's question like that? Well, I think the first thing I want to do is to lay down a little condition, and that is that we're not out to try and prove, but we're out to try and use logic that I believe is a gift we have from God. Okay. And I think there's a distinction between the two, between proving with an absolute and using logic. Okay. Now, in order to take a logical approach to this whole concept of the authority of the Bible. And I want to talk a little bit more later about the whole concept of authority in and of itself. So that's something we want to maybe put on the table here. But the logical approach to the Bible starts with, you first have to take an approach of, is there a God? You have to establish in your mind a, and, and you can't use any other word, a belief. But once again, belief and logic are not necessarily contradictory to one another. Mm-hmm. But you have to establish a logical belief in whether or not there is a God that exists. And the way I like to approach that is, and you can do this without, and I like Tessa's point, and the fact that you're not going to use the Bible to prove the Bible. Because that is a weak argument. That is a weak uh, way to approach it. But when you think about, is there a God? You need to think about what is around us. Everything that we know and everything that we have any kind of experience with is finite. You're finite. I am finite. Um, the the water bottle here that I'm drinking out of ha- has a finite, uh, both a beginning and an end. You know, somebody took the the raw materials and made that water bottle, and it didn't exist prior to that point in time. And then when I'm finished with it, we'll do something with it and we'll recycle it. But at some point in time, that thing's going to degrade to be non-existent. Mm-hmm. So it is finite. Even the whole idea of the creation or how we got here, as far as the whole universe. When you really think about it and consider it, everything in it is finite. We like to talk about the Big Bang Theory, for example. Well, the Big Bang Theory says that there was some kind of initial condition. That's the first premise of the Big Bang Theory, that there was an initial condition. But nobody argues that that initial condition has a beginning, that it was a finite thing, and that as the universe expands, the the concept of the fact that it will have some end, per se, at least in its existing state. So everything we know of is finite. When you think about that and you put that into practice and you think about the the finite characteristics of things, at some point your mind has to come to the conclusion that there's something that is infinite. And let me give you a little illustration on that. If everything is finite, if there was a Big Bang and there was some initial condition with the primordial conditions – If that existed, the first question that comes to my mind logically is, where did those primordial uh, resources come from? Where did the things that existed in the initial condition come from? Something had to exist prior to them. So when you start thinking about something with a beginning and an end, you have to say, okay, well, what was the origin of the beginning? Right. Now, what I like to do is I did this with a teen class years ago, and we were talking about the existence of God and his finite versus, versus being infinite. And somebody said, well, who made God? I said, well, okay, let's make an assumption. Let's make an assumption that somebody did make God. And for lack and for, for sake of discussion, we'll call that person super God. Okay. Okay, that's cool. We got super God now. But now the question is, who made super God? Right. Well, for sake of discussion, let's say that super, super God created super God. 
Now, you see where this is going. Yep. I can go super God to the 21st power, and then the question is, who made super God to the 21st power? Right. At some point in time, the only logical conclusion is that there was one being, one thing that is infinite in its existence. Our minds will not allow us to not believe that there is something infinite. If you think it through and continue to go backward, God, super God, super, super God, super, super, super God, etc., at some point you have to come to the conclusion, well, there was something that was not created. Right. So if we come to that conclusion and we make that assumption in our belief, logically, not proof, but logically, and we make that assumption in our belief, then why not believe it's God? That is, I, I mean, well, I, I don't. I, I would. I would agree that we don't have to. We don't have to say that we believe it's God, but why not? So exactly, it makes as much sense as super super God, exactly, or super God to the twenty first power, which all of the, all of those are logically possible, exactly. But God as an an infinite being, obviously, is a logical conclusion. Absolutely. Okay. So, so there has to be a God back there that is infinite. And who was the origin of this finite everything else? Which for me is logically hard to conceive, but yet I believe. Absolutely. It's and 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 I in order to help understand that, what I oftentimes point to is I took calculus in college mm-hmm. and um I had an English speaking professor, which doesn't happen a lot of times, but um when I took calculus two in college, I wasn't sure he was speaking English because all the things that he said didn't make any sense to me. And he would talk and talk and lecture, and they were all over my head. And I really struggled with that. So I couldn't comprehend the calculus too, just like I can't necessarily comprehend quantum physics. That doesn't mean they don't exist. It doesn't right. mean they aren't real because they're very real. We've seen the results of what calculus two can do. We've seen the results of what quantum physics can provide for us. They exist even though I can't comprehend them. Right. So same so, with God. So logical belief. Okay. So okay. so we have to start there mm-hmm. is what you're saying. And so where does that tie into the Bible? This, okay. We're the get- book. Why does the book exist? So, so what's the next step? We're getting there. We're right. getting there. That's cool. We got to be patient in our logical approach to things. I'm just playing the role of everybody Absolutely. else listening right now. You're, like, you're playing the role that's gone through my head 150,000 uh, times. Exactly. So we have the belief or the logical conclusion that we're going to use as our our foundational assumption that there is a God. Okay. If there is a God, what's he like? What are his characteristics? Or is he a he? Right. And I use the term he because I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a a typical American male. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to play that game. No, (laughs) let's let's just assume that God is a he. Okay, we'll make that assumption. Because because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. We're going to use the Bible to prove that. (laughs) No, go ahead. Now, there is a scripture passage in the Bible, and we're not going to use this to prove, but we're going to use it as a text that gives us a basis of how to think about what God is like. Okay. So if God is the creator, if he is the source of this finite material that we've talked about, what do we know about him by looking at the finite material that okay. we're talking about? Okay. And that's Romans chapter 1, if you want to read that. It right. t- talks about how we can understand the characteristics and the personality of God by looking at creation. So we're without excuse, is what right. it says. Right. And and we could even take that argument 
if it were not even in scripture, if somebody just philosophized Absolutely. that that's a way to logically Absolutely. look at God, it just makes sense whether it be in scripture or not. Absolutely. And, and truthfully, that passage of scripture really is philosophy uh, in and of itself. Okay. There's a lot of philosophy in the Bible, and that's one thing to remember. Mm-hmm. So if we look at that that concept of if there is a God, and we've made that assumption, then what does nature tell us God is like? Well, when I look around at nature, I see things such as creativity. I see things such as power. I remember sitting in my dorm room one time when I was a freshman in college, and I was sitting there looking out the window, something I used to like to do, probably should have studied more. But I was watching, and there was a storm rolling in. And I've always been someone who who really appreciated the power behind a storm. You know, the clouds are rolling in, the wind is picking up. There's just a, a ton of power like that exactly there you go perfect timing (laughs) so the power rolls in and you see this and you see in nature the power of of this being you see the creativity of this being because you look around you know we we just went through fall and uh, my wife and i marie had just a a lot of opportunities to to be in the woods and we went down to the gorge and uh, different places and and really experienced the beauty and it was one of the most fabulous falls i've experienced with the leaves and everything you can't help when you when you look at the leaves in the fall in this part of the country or if you look at the cliffs of dover uh in england or the grand canyon or uh the great reef you see all those things you can't help but think of creativity mm-hmm. and beauty it's just amazing the Absolutely. handiwork of god the other thing you think of is order this is a very well ordered universe that we live in. You know, if the moon was just a little further away from the Earth, it would fly off into space. Mm-hmm. If the moon was just a little bit closer to the Earth, the tides would overwhelm. Right. It's perfectly positioned. Uh, nature also points to the fact that we have we have herbivores and we have carnivores. Mm-hmm. And if there were only herbivores, then they would overtake. They would overwhelm us, but because we have carnivores who can strike that balance because they prey on the herbivores, then we have that balance. So a lot of these things, and there's just example after example that you can see, and in the book that I'm writing, I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate a lot of these examples. And if you look at those examples, you see that there's a balance or an order in this creation, in this place we live. So, so far we've identified that there's power that we can see in nature. There's creativity and beauty that we can see in nature. There's order and uniformity that we can see in nature. Um, And the list goes on, and you can probably add to that list. Right. There's also things like compassion. There's life. You ever notice that if an an acorn falls to the ground and if, uh, if, if a squirrel or a pig doesn't come along and get it, then eventually, ultimately, that acorn's going to become another hickory tree. Right. So there's this idea of life in the essence of this creator. Right. So now we're getting to see a little bit of the characteristic and personality of this entity that we're calling God. Right. So we see this this characteristic, this personality. We see the genius of this individual just by looking at nature and creation around us. Right. And, of course, some people and just um, – one of the things that's going through my head right now that I imagine is probably going through some other people's head is, is well, we we look around and see what we see, and, and there is a lot of beauty. There is a lot of compassion, obviously, seen and, and life-giving. 
but there's a lot of ugliness mm-hmm. and there's a lot of horror. Uh, I mean, wickedness. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, ho- I mean, just horrible things. And of course, you know, we we believe that there is an answer for that, mm-hmm. and it, and it, and and we believe that there are some, you know, some some reasons given. That there are a lot of possible reasons why some of these things happen. But of course, there's one that is foretold in the Bible, which mm-hmm. we're eventually going to get to. But but I just want to toss out there: there are some people who say, well, if God was such a genius, why couldn't He create a world in which all this crap doesn't happen yeah good point and there's two things to 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 uh respond to that and one is obviously free will mm-hmm. we all have the will to choose whatever we want to choose and and that's a very that's a very powerful thing to have that free will another thing that we have to understand too is that someone has asked and several people have asked and there's a great uh, great story out online right now if you want to look it up um it's a great story about god creating <clears throat> excuse me good and evil When we think of things that way, our premise is defective because it's just like light and dark. It's just like um, hot and cold, and let me explain that. Light is how we measure the amount of a wavelength in a room. Mm -hmm. Dark is not measurable. Dark is actually the absence of light. So dark is not a thing. Light is a thing. Dark is only our description of the absence of something. The same with good and evil. Good is what God has created. Okay. Evil is the absence of good. Oh, okay. I like that. So it's not so much that God created evil. It's that when there is evil, it is the absence of the good that God created. So basically, in, in, in tying it in from what I know as, as and now what I believe is the explanation for the reason of evil it's when God's presence withdrew from certain areas, possibly. It, it could be that. It also could be that when when people, man, institutions, groups, whatever, choose not to participate okay. in God's presence. He may be very, very present, but we might say, eh, the heck with it, and right. choose our own way. And that's where the free will comes in, where our choice produces an absence it's of like, good. It's like sunbathers going out to the beach, but some people choose to go to the beach and carry an umbrella. Absolutely. So It's a choice you make, and therefore there will be regular results to right. that choice. Lack of tan. Lack of tan. There Absolutely. you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think that one's probably been used before. but Lack of tan. Let's see. Tan and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I think I think people were tracking along. Good, good. <laughs> well, well, we're going to take our third step now. All right. Because our first step was to bring about the logical conclusion that there must be something called God. Mm-hmm. And the second step was, what do we know about this God, the characteristics, the personality? And we said, let's look to nature. You know, let's not even use the Bible yet. Obviously, we can use the Bible, but for now, let's not even use the Bible. And just look at nature as Paul tells us in Romans. Just look at nature and you'll know something about God. The third step is, if this God is as we described him, and that is with the beauty, the power, the creativity, the life, the compassion, all these other things, the order, sounds like a pretty smart person. Doesn't it make logical sense that that person could communicate with us? Right. The next logical step is that somebody who has created this would very easily be able to communicate with what they've created if they're that genius 
Mm-hmm. So we take a logical step to there must be some means of this being communicating with us. Okay. So then what we do is we, we believe that what God has done is that he has chosen the scriptures to communicate with us. Now, what we've done, we haven't proved that the scriptures are God's means of communication. Okay. We've just laid the groundwork that God can, and it makes sense that he would communicate with us. Right. The logical approach would not be that God would create something and say, off to my next project. Okay. And just leave it go. The logical the logical extent would be to say, he created me. Rational thinking would say, he wants to communicate with me. So now we've, we've set the foundation and the baseline that God has created and is communicating with his creation. Right. I, and I, I would say, and, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think that those who question, you know, the, the validity of the Bible as his communication method would still state that God, I, I think those that I know that are asking this question would already, would give, is it give assent to the fact that uh, God, God is logical, the existence of God. God is all those things. He is. He's all powerful. That, that that he's creator. Some some most would believe that. That I know that are asking this question, and and that God can and would communicate with his creation. Mm-hmm. Where they're at, at this point in the argument is that he would choose to communicate to through Muhammad Absolutely. to some sure. through um, Confucius. Yes, and and mm-hmm. therefore and so on. Joe Smith and everybody. Every, yeah. Everybody else. All sorts of different communications, different different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Right. And okay. and if and if God wanted to create it, communicate to all those people, it makes sense to to not limit it to one source that has to be spread through the whole world. That that's what they might say. Absolutely. And you know what? That has a basis in logic. Mm-hmm. There is some form of logic there. Let's talk about the authority thing that I was wanting to talk about. Okay, let's do that. All authority is really that we have, that we know of, is for the most part derived. In other words, you can have authority in your position, but unless I give you that authority in my life, you don't have any authority over me. Now, right. you there may be consequences. There may be results. But I never have to give in and accept the fact that you have authority over me. Right. The governor my, or the my mayor. My kids show me that sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Just look at your children. You can figure that one out. Exactly. The authority may exist, but in reality, until you accept it, it doesn't exist in your life. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Think about the government, for example. We give, the people give the government the authority that they have. They don't just have it. We give them that authority because we are law-abiding citizens. We mm-hmm. go along with it. We, we succumb to it. We agree with it. So therefore, that's how they have their authority. It is a derived authority. It is not an absolute authority. It's a derived authority. So when we think about what we're going to give authority in our lives, it's a choice that we're making. Right. You used your kids. a great example. You know, my kids the same way, although two of them are completely grown and, and one of them's getting very close. The, the, our kids are very much the same way. When you think about why do they listen to us? Why, why don't they just do their own thing? Mm-hmm. 
It's because they choose, whether they do it consciously or subconsciously, they're choosing to give us that level of authority in our lives. Right. The Scripture is no different. We have to choose to make it the authority in our lives, or we can reject it as the authority in our lives. Okay. It is, it is a, a what we believe, a section of truth. It is the truth we believe as spoken by God. But until we believe it, it does not have the authority in our lives. Until we accept it, it does not have the authority in our lives. That makes sense. And sometimes that can be done consciously, and sometimes it can be done unconsciously. Absolutely. And or so- subconsciously, <laughs> at least. At least subconsciously. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. I've seen some Christians and maybe it is unconsciously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Some I mean, like, for example, my daughter would right now, uh you actually, well, Megan mostly, she's eight or yeah, she'll be nine in on a couple days, but uh she's eight years old. And if there was something in the Bible, because of whatever, she 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 would state that whatever the Bible says. It's true. It, mm-hmm. It's just not, she's been told, and and I think that that's not necessarily a conscious decision she's ever like said. Okay, today I believe. Boom. So subconsciously, through time and through experience, and and through trusting other people, other places of uh, other uh, other authority that yeah, she's different given sources, sure. different sources, Sunday school teacher, dad, mom, right, whatever. She she's made that decision and believes that. So, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And and back to what you said earlier, in the whole concept of confirmation so now we have we, we've built up this platform that says it makes sense that god would communicate with us mm-hmm. so he's going to find a way to communicate with us right whether it be you know whether you want to consider that to be what we call the scripture or whether you want to consider that to be the quran or whether you want to consider that to be the writings of Confucius or buddha or uh, the different philosophies whatever the case may be it doesn't matter right we we've have, we've set the foundation that it makes sense for God to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Now we have a scripture in front of us, and that scripture makes a claim. That scripture makes a claim that it is the word of God. Right. Now you're faced with a choice. Do you believe it or do you not believe it? That's right. And the problem is there's no C. There's no C which says, well, I'll believe part of it. You're faced with a choice of A or B. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? No one, no one's going to force you to believe that the scripture is the word of God. Right. But you you by logic cannot claim that part of the scripture or the scripture kinda is the word of God. Okay. Because the scripture itself says this is the word of God. And you don't have to believe that it is. But by rational thinking you have to believe that it either is or isn't. Right. Because that, of the claims it makes of itself. That makes sense. I, I can definitely see that logic. Um, and, and of course, the questions that have come in my mind in the past and also are run, running around through the minds of other people right now uh, is that, okay, well, how did this scripture come into being and who made that decision and whose claim is it that this is the word of God? And what if some of it was the claim that this is the word of God and some other people say, well, some of this is God communicating with us, but so many people added to it or right. brought their own imperfect ideas and their own messed up theology about how women should behave and and all that crowd got in here and it's and it's kind of intermingled in there and and I believe that a lot of this is really what God meant to communicate to us, but it's kind of tainted a little. Yeah, I understand that, and that's a natural thing to think that that that's a natural way to 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 go down the path because of. 
well, let's face it, the the scriptures were written uh, 2,000 years ago uh, and definitely didn't have uh, Macs and uh, HPs and so forth to write it on and didn't have archive backups. So uh, we, we can understand how things could potentially get lost. And, and to your point, the fact that who chose which book was included and which wasn't included? I mean, all we have to do is is look at what the, the scriptures that the Protestants use versus the scriptures that the Catholics use, and we understand that there are additional books <clears throat> in the in the Catholic version of right. the scriptures. So it goes back to really what are you going to believe and what choice are you going to make in belief? Mm-hmm. Now, I can give you a little foundation for the scripture, and I can give you a little foundation for how it came to be, and we can find all that kind of information. Um the the fact that there are certain criteria for the New Testament inclusion in the New Testament. For example, in the New Testament, the books had to be authored, and I'm going to say authored versus written because there mm-hmm. is a distinction. The books had to have been authored by an apostle. Okay. So that was one of the criteria that the different councils used in order to determine whether a book was included as Scripture because there were other books that were chosen not to be included as scripture. So one of the criteria they used is that the books had to be at their base an author um was an apostle. So so logically as one who believes in the scripture and its authority and gives it the authority and, and stuff um do so should should one like myself should I believe that God was involved in the process of making those rules of what would be and would not be included. Well I think you hit on a very good point because if God's going to go to the effort of communicating with us, and if he's going to provide us a scripture, if we believe that he's going to take the effort to provide us a scripture, and we believe that he interacts in human affairs, mm-hmm. then the logical belief would be that he would help to guide and direct the human affairs. Right. The Bible says that that all scripture is, is inspired, or God-breathed, we sometimes say. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's inspired and God-breathed, He's also going to work on the collectivity of it. Right. He's also going to be involved. That's, once again, the logical approach that God would be involved in the collectivity and the perpetuity of the Bible right. as it goes through the ages that he will protect. Yeah. And you, did, you didn't have the opportunity uh, probably to listen to the one I, the, about the church, Biblical Authority, part two of that discussion, where that's pretty much what I said uh, is that, you know, it's like I do believe in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it may be oversimplified, but I believe that if God wanted to speak to us, he could. Mm-hmm. And that if he chose to do so with a book, which I believe, then he certainly understands the fact that he's using imperfect beings Absolutely. to put all this together and that him being a perfect God could find a way that even through the fact that there are some languages that have these words but can't be translated to any language, any word that exists in this language, the fact is is that God can overcome Absolutely. those limitations. Oh, and, and, and it's a little bit arrogant for us to think that he can't because if I, if I write a book and I send it off to the publisher and they totally blow chapter 10, I mean, they get it from some other author and stick it in there. I don't know where it came from. I'm not going to say, oh, well, that's okay because it's my book, but most of it's right. I'm the author. Right. I'm the creator of that book. I want to make sure before it hits the stands, it's correct. Right. So I don't find it hard to believe. I don't find it a stretch to believe that God would be the final proofreader. Right. 
Now you you mentioned something, uh, and and, and if I'm not mistaken, and if I and I'm confusing you as the source of of this information, uh, the fact is is I do believe in the authority of Scripture. I have I have given that Scripture authority in my life, and it has been confirmed to me. But I do not believe it that the the translations that we have today are without any inaccuracies. And 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 one that I use is the fact in the NIV version of the Bible that talks about the prostitute who came before Solomon. Are you the person that I remember hearing the argument that that's not necessarily that the word prostitute should not be the word that was used? No, but I do have a similar one to it. Okay, give me a similar yeah, one because I because I, I, I don't remember where the source of that one came from. But give me a, give me an inaccuracy that doesn't quote unquote. Well, it's more of a cultural thing. Okay, go ahead. It's more of a cultural thing in the fact that we don't understand some of the culture and some of the lingo that was a part of the culture. Okay. Uh, I was visiting someone in the hospital one time, and we were just talking, whatever kind of talk, and, and they mentioned this. said, you know, I will not own a dog. And I'm like, okay, fine, me neither, because I don't have time to be with one. So that, that's fine. I said, well, well how come? Why, why won't you own a dog? Because God hates dogs. Hmm. I'm like, that's interesting. And normally, when somebody will make a statement like that, because you hear them all the time, when somebody will make a statement like that, my mind will start doing a biblical search, and I'm thinking, wow, what verse did they get that one out of? Where did that come from? And I was drawing a complete blank. That God says, and, and they used the term, they said, God says dogs are an abomination. Man, I was just doing the, the search through the Bible. Boy, I was doing it the best I could in my head. So I couldn't comment much because I couldn't come up with anything. I was flabbergasted on that one. Right. So I went home and I started to do a search and I tried to find the word dog. Sorry. I tried to find the word dog and abomination in the same place. And I finally found it in an Old Testament reference. Okay. And it says that do not bring the wages of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord. And what that means is don't bring the earnings that you get from those two things as your offering before the Lord. And I thought, well, a price of a dog, what's wrong with selling a dog and bringing it into the house of the Lord? And then I began to do a little bit of research. And what a dog meant in that point in time was a male prostitute. Oh, okay. So dog was a term for male prostitute. So he was just really saying, don't bring the wages of a female prostitute or a male prostitute, either one, into the house of the Lord as your offering because these are an abomination before the Lord. Mm-hmm. That got twisted around and turned into, because of our lack of cultural understanding, <clears throat> that got turned into God hates dogs. Yeah. Little four, four, you know, four-legged creatures that are fluffy and nice. He hates them. <laughs> No, God doesn't hate him at all. Right. So, so, so there are some things where where things can be miscommunicated or misunderstood. Absolutely. Uh, through through the translations and 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 the 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 fact that languages don't all ex- have the the uh, same language. We don't sure. always have words that c- equally compare. And not to mention the fact that, uh, from my understanding, that the original language sometimes these words had five, six different meanings. Oh, absolutely. Just like ours do today. Mm-hmm. For example. You've probably heard the the phrase, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right. Now, today, when we think of meek, Mm -hmm. we think of some little frail guy walking around who can't take up for himself. Right. And that's what we think. Well, okay, so all the frail little guys who can't take up for themselves are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Right. The little hermit people. Yeah, little hermit guys are going to inherit the earth. 
Well, man, that's a bummer because I don't tend to live that way. If you've right. ever seen me on a, a sports competition field, I'm anything but meek. Right. I want to rip somebody's head off, but that's a whole separate story. <laughs> so we look at that and we, we hear the word meek and we automatically think of these frail little guys. But that's not what it means because the word meek has changed in its connotation and its meaning over time. Okay. So the word meek now is, is that frail little guy, whereas when it was written or translated into the word meek, it meant humble. Oh, okay. It meant someone who understood their position in relation to God's position. Right. So you could you could translate that better now in today's vernacular as blessed are the humble. Which is which is one of the reasons why I'm one of those people that say, you know, any if you say one version of the Bible is the the end all be all versions that you should read and nothing else, you know, I it's like sometimes we need something that's a little bit more ref- you know, refreshed with today's language. Cause I personally, you know, I, I always give the example that, uh, my, my mom used to be one that believed that the King James Bible is the only way and she doesn't today, but, uh, it's good she, enough for the disciples. It's good enough for me. <laughs> that's exactly what <laughs> I've heard. Actually people I've, say that I've heard that too. <laughs> so, uh, but the thing is, is that I remember her, I said, but mom, when you read it, do you understand? She goes, I understand what I need to. And I was <laughs> like, okay. And I said, and, and I asked her, I said, what would you do? And my brother's name is PJ. I said, what would you do if PJ came up to you after school one day and he exhorted you? Exhorted. And she's like, well, I'd probably send him to his room and, and ground him. And I said, well, the Bible says that we ought to exhort one another daily as long as it is called today. And, and I said, mom, do you understand that exhort means to encourage somebody? She goes, oh, no, I didn't know that. I said, this is why I don't read the King James Version. Mm-hmm. And and I, I read, you know, a version that says we ought to encourage one another because I'm sure that back when King James version was made, that it was a that just as you and I understand the word encourage, they understood the word exhort. Absolutely. Languages change. Mm-hmm. Languages change and are constantly changing. Words are, are adapting. Words are evolving. Words are being totally dropped and words are being added. It's a part of the dynamic of languages. But but that brings me to a really good point, Cliff. I'm glad you brought that up. And the fact is, when we look at the Scripture, and regardless of what uh, version, what translation that we're looking at, it is our responsibility, it is our duty to use the minds and the rational thinking and the effort and the tools that we've been given by God to understand and get beyond those kinds of dilemmas that we're discussing here, the whole meek and... Uh, exhorting and, and those other kinds of terms that may sometimes not make sense. It's our responsibility to use the minds that God has given us to think through these things. And I think we should approach the Bible in such a manner to say, the Bible makes sense. So if I read something that doesn't make sense to me, let me do my research that will help me understand what it really is saying. Right. And and that's what I appreciate about people who are willing to ask questions, mm-hmm. who are willing to say, I just don't know if I can I can chew on this one or or swallow this whole Bible being ultimate truth and and stuff like that. And 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 I appreciate the fact that they're willing to ask the questions because at least that says that these people are interested. And 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 I love the fact that the community and and I'm speaking directly to you guys listening. I love the fact that you come at this from an approach not to uh, say, well, you guys are just wrong. 
you know, but, right. but you're, you're really have an open mind and an open heart to, to at least thinking logically through these things. And so I think that's exciting. And I'm glad that, that you're getting ready to embark on a ministry where, where you're going to be encouraging more and more people to wrestle with things, Absolutely. to, yeah. to be like the Bereans, to, to, to go through these. Now, the the thing is 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 and, and again what and I didn't expect for us to come here and prove right. God's word was was the ultimate authority. I I think what we've done is is taken a different approach into understanding how it can be accepted right as as God's authority. What would you say to somebody who says, "Well, I do believe it, that God is infinite. I believe that he created. I believe that he has compassion. I believe that it is clearly acknowledgeable that God wants to communicate with his creation. And I have found that, you know, I have not given the Bible authority in my life. There are some things that I read about Jesus and I believe that he uh, has some part of the plan and I'm not certain if I completely agree in his resurrection, but I consider myself to be one who follows God mm-hmm. and, and I consider myself to be a Christian, but I also find so much value in where I feel God has communicated with me through the Quran and through other mystical writings and, and stuff like that. How, what, what kind of answer would you give to that? Or how would you respond to somebody that, that says something like that to you. And I'm sure they have. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And a few things I would say to that. And, and, and one is, and this is probably the most elementary one, is, is check your sources of all these different writings that you're talking about. Learn about them and find out the sources of those writings and find out the background behind those writings and do so with the Bible as well. Right. Take the time, be diligent, and, and find out the sources and the origins of the things that you're reading. And you're going to find that some of the things that you're reading don't have as quite as good an origin or background, and there's potentially some shady things back there that are going to cause you to doubt and cause you to have some concerns. The second thing I would say to them is approach the Bible with an open mind. We said earlier that it makes sense that there is a God. We believe in what he is as far as his nature and his personality, and if that personality, it makes sense that that personality could communicate with us. The communication from God doesn't happen just through the Bible. Right. There's three means of communication from God to us. One is the Scripture. The other is his Son, Jesus Christ, and that's his primary communication to us. And the third is his direct communication to us with what we call prayer. So I would say approach the Bible with an open mind, diligently using your mind and doing the research, doing the hard work that is necessary, stretch your mind and expand it. And when you read it, if you come across something that doesn't set right with you or settle right with you or you don't understand, do the hard work and the research to find out what it really means. And with that open mind, be praying the entire time and see, just as the Bible says, test the spirits. Right. And, and I find out if it makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and I want to just uh, emphasize that that in in prayer, simply communicate with God. Absolutely. You know, if, if you believe there is a God, it, simply communicate. God, speak to me, confirm to me, you know, lead me, guide me, direct me. The uh, I believe God has communicated to me through scripture <laughs> that God says, Anybody who seeks me with all their heart, mind, and soul, they will follow, or they will find me. Absolutely. 
and, and, and God is not hiding from us. I don't believe that at all. Um, I love that you said approach it with an open mind because mm-hmm. I find that so many people are open-minded to the Quran and to other mystical texts and, and to this and that. But oftentimes they, they, ne- they, they seem to approach the Bible with, I'll never be able to accept this. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas they approach it with, and, and so I agree 100%. If, if you really want to even have a, an inkling of an understanding of how we could accept this and we can place so much faith and trust in what the word of God says or the Bible says, uh, then you're, you're not going to be able to do that with a closed mind. So definitely have to. But at the same time, I can already hear the arguments. It's like, well, why don't Christians do the same to the Book of Mormon or to the Quran or to the something else? And, and, and I'm not saying that no Christian has because obviously there, there are entire ministries. But I, I, I'll, I'm going to confess and admit that when somebody says, well, Cliff, why don't you read the Quran?" And it's like, well, I don't have any interest. And so isn't that just as close-minded as the people who say, you know, well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We owe it to ourselves. And I, I would say this with limits on it. There are okay. certain things, that, and, and I'm not a censor by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not somebody who says, you know, believes in censorship by any stretch of the imagination. But we need to take some precaution and care and not just read anything that comes along. Um, but at the same time, I do believe we should understand the Quran. Where did it come from? What is the basis of the mm-hmm. Quran? Uh, do do many of our listeners realize that Muhammad was taught by a calf, by a priest? He got most of his education from a priest uh, in his early formidable years. So, you know, those are the kinds of things. Let's take the time to understand the background right. and understand what uh, the sources are and and approach those books the same way and ask God for his guidance, for his direction. I think what you're going to find, and I mentioned the three main re- ways that God communicates to us, and that is the scripture, as we've been talking about, that is his son, Jesus Christ, and that is in his own direct revelation through prayer. And I think what a person will find is that if they approach the Scripture with that kind of an open mind and prayerfully seek, they'll find that all three of those things will blend together to almost form one means of communication. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that you will find that with the other uh, materials that you're talking about. But you're never going to know that unless you approach them right. and do the research. And and, and here and, and see, the, the thing is, is I, I've had not not anybody from our current community that listens to these podcasts, but I have been approached with, gosh, Cliff, I wish you would spend, you know, at, at least a tenth of the time reading about other ancient texts and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you're so closed minded and stuff, but what, what it boils down to is that just in life today, you know, here I am somebody who is, you know, before this, I was an insurance agent working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. Now here I am starting my own business, working sometimes 80 hours a week. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I am, you know, leading a community of people. I'm producing so much. And I I still want to know and, and learn as much as I can about God and read things that help me understand God more. And I already have in my heart given the authority to Scripture. And there's so much in Scripture that I want to learn that, mm-hmm. I mean, I literally can't take in every single different thing. But so how, what would you say about something like but, that? But you're talking about two different things there because your original 
your original premise and original question was, what about somebody who's not sure that the Bible is the authoritative word of God? Okay. That person needs to find out whether it is or not, and they need to come to that decision and make that choice. Once All again, right. it's, it's a choice of is it or is it not. Right. And that person needs to do that research and do that effort and that work and find out whether or not it is the authoritative word of God and make that choice. And in my case, I have already choice. Do, I've already done that. Yeah, you've made the choice. You don't need to do that research. That doesn't mean you need to close your mind to hearing about things and learning right. new things, but you have a very valid point in the fact that you have a certain schedule. You have responsibilities you have things you have to do and you've made the decision that the bible is the authoritative word of god and you've made that choice in your life and you know what it has never let you down that That, choice has never let you down that's right never once right so now your role is to learn as much about that thing that you have made the authoritative word of god right and you're going to find out and continue to test it and work with it and you're going to find that it doesn't fail you so there's a difference there between that person who has made the authoritative choice and the person who has said, no, I'm not sure yet whether it is or not, they owe themselves the the effort to research. Right. That, that, that sounds that that makes a lot of sense for me. And 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 I can see that. And because and the, there are there are there are folks that I know that that have given authority to the Quran or to other sources. And and of course, the same thing is true. They They may not be open to evaluating the Bible uh, as the you know, as as the authoritative word of God. And, and, and if that's, that's the way, and of course, then it comes down to, and and this is not going to be a podcast that we go into here. Uh, but then it goes to, okay, is there more than one way to God and to get to heaven and to a lot of other things? But honestly, today we, we wanted to just take an approach at saying, how can a Christian possibly come to the conclusion that they would stake their life based upon the words of a book written by men? And, 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 and of course I'm throwing out a lot of, you know, things there, but, uh, for me, I I think that it's been clear how I've come to that. I think that you lay out some logical Mm -hmm. conclusions that can lead you to that. So, uh, very interesting. I'd love to have you come back sometime. Sure. We'd be glad to. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, I encourage everybody out there, just do us a favor. Um, leave us some feedback. What did you think about this episode? You can email us if you're shy. Uh, at feedback at gspn.tv. Anything that comes in, if you say Cliff and uh, Keith, uh, here's what I thought about the episode. I'll make sure to forward him uh, those. And uh, I would love it, though, for those of you who are a little bit more vocal, uh, if you want to record an MP3 or if you want to call our voicemail hotline that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week at area code 859-795-4067. I'll also uh, cover those and we'll play those uh, um, responses back in future shows as well as uh, Keith has definitely got the ability to listen to some wave files and yep. and hear your responses as well. I, 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 this is exactly what I envisioned the About the Church podcast to be all about Absolutely. is to explore the faith and to do so in a way that, you know, just talking about it generally you know it it doesn't have to be where here we are preaching at you and we're telling you're going to go to hell if you don't listen to us (laughs) and that's not what we're about here so uh we appreciate uh, each and every one of you keith thank you so much for joining Uh, us it's been great to be here now where can they find you online just give them some website addresses because these people are going to immediately come check out your blogs and stuff so check out uh, www.godmakesense.com it's the full word uh god full word makes and full word sense and then also you can check out uh, www.refreshingrain.com. 
Um, I, I also have a personal blog out there. It's just uh, not nearly as uh, church oriented, which is just Keith A. Rainey. Dot com. So you can check any of those out. R A N E Y. R A N E Y. Sure, check those out. Leave me any comments or feedback you want. Um, they're just now getting started, just now getting built, so they're still pretty simple, and we're going to continue to build them. But would love to hear any feedback and love to hear from you. Absolutely. And we, of course, we want to say thank you to that person out there. You know who you are, who is our anonymous, anonymous sponsor of the, uh, about the church podcast, who reminds us every week to please consider praying for another church in your area that is not your own. And for those of you who would like to support this ministry as well, you can learn how to best do that by visiting gspn.tv slash plus. And so, uh, We'll be back soon with more of the About the Church podcast. Until next time, join the community.